You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Raj. Hello, welcome to the Comic Book Informer Podcast. This is Roger coming to you on Wednesday, Comic Book Day, August 17th. And Vince is back. He's been missed terribly. I got tons of emails saying, when is Vince coming back? And now he finally is. So you can all keep your panties back on. Vince, how was your holidays? Oh, holidays were absolutely fantastic. And I even got some of those panties in the mail. Awesome. <laughs> they were extra large. They should fit you. So did you do a lot of reading during your holidays or basically just gaming? Uh, quite a bit of gaming, although I did play a little catch up in my reading. Right. Because how far along were you in in all the Flashpoint stuff? Because like we had to last minute crunch to get everything read for last week's episode, both (laughs) Joe and I. I don't know if you'd been keeping up or if there's still some titles you need to read. Well, I've been selectively keeping up with most of them. Uh, There's a few I might have fallen a little behind on, but all the core ones, you know, the Aquaman and Batman and stuff. I'm I'm up to date on those at least. Yeah. Did you get a chance to actually listen to last week's episode? Uh, Yes. And uh I just broke Joe's record for not cursing. Yeah, well, two in, in inside of four minutes. So, yeah. <laughs> so what did you think of, uh, of of what we were saying with the way that Flashpoint is going right now and how it's building? You basically agree or anything you kind of disagree with? I'm just really excited for the relaunch. I mean, they, they've shown that they can make the characters interesting enough. They Characters that normally I wouldn't care about that. I'm suddenly interested in and I'm willing to give it a try when they when they come out and they're new number ones. Yeah, there are a, a lot of those number ones that I'm really looking at seriously. Obviously, Joe made it clear that <laughs> all but two he wants. What's your list <laughs> looking like right now? Pretty thick. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say it's quite in the 50 range, but several per week. I actually went over the list today. It's just, I happened to see the list of all the stuff coming out and I started thinking, okay, well, what would I quite seriously get and what can I prune from the list? And yeah, the list is a little too long. (laughs) The list still needs pruning because even just having your, your Batman, which I mean, we got to get all of the Batman titles, basically. And then the um, the stuff with the Green Lantern, especially for me, I'd, I'd like to keep up with that as well, especially with Sinestro taking over. Dude, I got to read that. And then despite my feelings for Superman, I still want to read those first few issues to see where they're going with that kind of thing. And then you're looking at, I, I still am interested in Teen Titans. I'd like to see that as well. And then again, there's a lot of the the new titles as well yes. that I'm just like, I want to give them a shot. I want to try them. I mean, start adding that all up and there better not be any good Marvel stuff coming out in September. <laughs> yeah, you add in stuff like, um, you know, Frankenstein oh, or yeah. even All-Star Western. Like, there, there's a lot of number ones. We'll see how many number twos we pick up, though. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. So if they, <laughs> you you know that they had to put their best writers, the best ideas, everything on in those number ones, because they have to make them absolutely insanely good to make people come back for a second issue. When you consider, again, that investment of that first month, most people aren't going to be able to do that two months in a row, let alone longer than that. Mm hmm. Okay. So yeah, but it, it's it's at least a a good step for the company. Yeah, it'll be fun to do to read as well. It's going to be, it's. it's Guess what we're doing for every episode. In yeah, September. really. <laughs> well, what I th- when I think about it, I'm thinking it's an exciting month, and yes, we have some story arcs that we really enjoy and whatnot, but it's not often that you have this kind of build up that you're excited for the entire month and you're looking forward to that month. And it's, it, it, it's just because of everything that's coming out of one publisher. So I, I think that that's what I'm really, I'm so excited for. Yeah. I mean, anytime you get new creators taking, you know, a, a, an established franchise in a new direction, it's interesting. Uh, even if it doesn't pay off, like, you know, J. Michael Straczynski on Superman or Matt Fraction on Uncanny X-Men, even if it doesn't pay off, you're still excited when it first comes out. But usually we get one of those every couple months, not this many. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, we did get some news this week that was interesting as well, simply because they've been talking for quite a while about what's been going on with the second season of The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead is basically 
it's the biggest thing that AMC's got. And yet, despite that, it for all intents and purposes, it sounds very much like they're screwing it up. And we had recently heard that Frank Darabont was leaving the show, but it wasn't yet clear if he had left of his own accord or if they had let him go and things like that. And we just found out that, oh, no, he got fired. <laughs> <laughs> these surface these stories have been going floating around for a month or so now and i never wanted to bring it up on the show because there were so many different sides to the story i didn't know exactly what had happened i had kind of settled into more of he was just stepping back because we heard a lot of things how you know he was having trouble adjusting to the schedule of doing a tv show yeah he's an academy award-winning director for films this is really the first time he's gone into tv and that's a hugely different business so he was having trouble adjusting to that and he was stepping back he had brought on uh, i forget the guy's name but um the one from sons of anarchy to kind of be his second in command for the second season so it would allow take some of the off of his shoulders so i was like okay he's stepping back he, he's still around he was at freaking comic-con plugging the plugging yeah. the show so i was like oh everything's fine and then you post this article and uh, what, <laughs> what well is, the thing what that is kill- wrong with amc that's what kills me and that's one of the things that's mentioned in this article as well where amc was so I don't know what word to use without swearing and having to bleep <laughs> it out anyways, but so disrespectful that they would use him to promote their show at Comic-Con and then fire him, knowing him full well that they were going to fire him anyway. I had never, I did, I wasn't aware of the organizational differences between Walking Dead and say Mad Men and Breaking Bad. Like I knew you know, there was, there were some issues with the other two shows, but they worked it out. I didn't know that Walking Dead is actually owned by AMC. Yep. I, AMC doesn't have enough executive experience, experience to handle thing. this. I mean, look at AMC. For those who don't know, AMC stands for American Movie Classics, and yet they show Catwoman. <laughs> so <laughs> obviously, you know, the upper management doesn't quite get a lot of things. So and, and then having this just fall in their laps, this massive hit, they didn't know what to do with it. No, they're not prepared. And with Mad Men and Breaking Bad, you've got the other studios that can to a certain degree, keep them in line. So when AMC is trying to cut costs or, or do different things, they're there saying, no, 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 that's not how it works. Whereas with AMC now owning everything for The Walking Dead, they can screw it up as much as they want. It's their thing. And they don't know how to handle the success. Like this, it, it just did so phenomenally well. And now we're looking at all of these these cost-cutting things that they want to do like like not having zombies in each scene so that you you just allude to them in the background that way you don't have to pay for all the makeup it's like it's a zombie show you're gonna want to show them and wanting to do more indoor scenes have you even read the walking dead really (laughs) seriously and so there's a lot of things like that that they are going to screw it up they're going to give them less money and expect more episodes than the first season and now the the also the staff is very disenfranchised about all I this. I love be- that quote. They, they were getting they were close to Darabont. They liked the way he was doing things. Yeah, I love how they said you know all the actors they're afraid to speak up because it's a zombie show. They could easily be killed yep. off. Yeah, I laugh I, when I read if, that. If at some point during the second season they kill off Rick and Shane takes over as the main character, you'll know why. <laughs> yeah, they, it's it's too bad because they have such an amazing hit on their hands and you know that the other big studios are looking at this shaking their heads saying why couldn't we have gotten this like these guys are gonna screw it up and it could have been such an amazing thing you gotta try pretty hard to make sci-fi look smart when it comes to network decisions yeah okay so moving away from there now let's actually talk about comic books there were two series that i wanted to touch on this week one of them that is based off of a game and the other one based off of a tv cartoon show both of them awesome so which do you want to cover first awesome or awesome um i'm gonna go with awesome for 200 please alex all right so then i'll let you take over with deus ex because i absolutely loved this miniseries and not just because of the games or the the tie-in to the other one in and of itself i thought it was phenomenal 
Yeah, and I'm really glad you made me read it because I, I, I saw it was out there, but I never really tried it out. And with the game coming out next week, this is a great primer to, you know, really get me excited for the game as well as enjoying a, a really good comic. Uh, it was written by Robbie Morrison with art from Tever Hairscene, hair sign and whatever. <laughs> and it takes place in the near future of 2027, focusing on uh, the main character, Adam Jensen, who is a former member of the Detroit Police Department SWAT team. And you know, throughout his career, he ended up working for this big uh, biomechanical augmentation company, you know, really leading the charge and new medical sciences to the point where when the company was raided and he was almost killed, they pulled the $6 million man and rebuilt him with these new mechanical augmentations to his body. And that's what the Deus Ex universe has always been about. This, this combination of the, the biological and the spiritual with the mechanical. And it's really cool seeing the beginnings of that universe because in the prior two games uh, the new one coming out is actually the prequel you see the society as it's already set up you know everybody's pretty much accepted the cybernetic enhancements and, and it's just become part of you know who they are whereas here you see these huge theological battles over how this technology should be handled should it be purely medical should it be aesthetic and just this huge war that's breaking out between the two sides the, the literal human revolution and when <laughs> the end of that first issue you weren't lying when you told me how brutal this thing could be oh geez yeah well you get that right away inside of the first couple of pages you see that okay this is definitely not for kids by any shape or form this is not a miniseries for kids and 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 but it's that really gritty feel to it that i liked a lot because i think that it would have would not have served the story to make it less violent in this case because of what you're dealing with not just the um not just the, the augmentations and what they are capable of, which is quite obvious that they can destroy man quite easily, but also because of the severity of those theological battles about whether you are still human once you've gotten so many augmentations to you kind of thing. I think that because of that, it needed to be something that was brutal. It needed to be very graphic, very visceral, and it pulls that off great. And of course, the art for the series could not have been better. It, it, it A, was phenomenal in and of itself, but it had that gritty feel to it and that the rough edges that worked towards making you feel what was going on in the story so much more. Yeah. Like, like I said, so many times in sci-fi, when we go to these future settings, you know, we see the clean, you know, how, Oh, the future, everything is better. I can't really think of very many stories that have been told about how it gets to that point, which, which is what I really enjoyed about this. You had, you know, the, you know, the, the organic aspects of, you know, a world that we can recognize and being slowly twisted into that future vision. I, I thought it was pretty cool how they showed, you know, the different stages of the various augmentations. Like when they did the flashback to when Adam was first shot and that dude, it looked like the gun was growing out of his arm. It didn't even look like it was, you know, an attachment. It was, it, it was pretty cool. And then seeing how, you know, Adam's, uh, augmentations are really just more part of his body and more natural to him. Even those little stylings in the art was a really nice touch. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, I, I like the, all of it, except for one thing. I wasn't crazy about the little UI that you saw there that had description. That. I, it's not that I, okay, let me rephrase. I didn't dislike it that much, but I, I, I felt that it kind of took away from the story. It slowed it down because you're, you're reading instead of, of going through the action. When you're looking at an action scene, you want it to be well choreographed so that it's fluid and you just kind of rip through it really fast as it would be happening. If you're stopping with every panel, some of them twice because mm -hmm. of his little things that he sees, I thought that took away from the story. I'll actually agree with you there um, early on in the story and at a lot of the other points when the story itself was more slow paced. I thought it added a lot to it, you know, when he's sneaking into the base or yes. you know, when, when yeah. he's talking to people. But, yeah, the action scenes, I actually did just kind of skim over them. I didn't really read them. But I what I liked about them is it gives you that tie into the game. 
you know, if if those are the same terms that they're going to use in the actual game, it's cool. Like, oh, he did this awesome move. I have to look for that augmentation when I play the game. That's kind of what I took out of it. And that's exactly what I did as well. So for anybody who's listening who who does not game, it's something that you can definitely skim over and not put too much weight on simply because it's not it's not necessary for the story. It's kind of interesting at points for sure, but certainly not necessary. But for anybody like us who is very interested in playing the game, it did give you a peek into some of what we can expect. And we know that also having seen some of the videos recently that they showed of the game. And that's something that I liked as well, because once again, this is, yes, it's a story uh, in and of itself that you can read and enjoy, regardless of whether or not you plan on playing the game, but it is still a game tie-in. So it is important for them to set you up for that game world, to make it feel like you'll know more once you're in the game about what's been going on with that character and whatnot. I mean, that's what's been happening with Batman Arkham City as well. And I feel that with this, having watched enough of the the what's going on with uh, the game, it really does set it up very, very well. You get that same feeling that you saw in those trailers and the gameplay videos. And for me, that was huge. That that it made it so that it, it felt like a cohesive, uh, not just story, but cohesive feel from the comic to the, the game. And even more than that, yeah, it had the big action scenes and, you know, the the brutal violence, but it also had that core that really makes Deus Ex, the, the franchise, what it is of, you know, the espionage, the intrigue and all, all, the, all the conspiracies behind the things. How and, and a lot of other stories like this, the reveal of who, you know, the, the villain is would have been the big selling point. Well, they blew that. And I think issue two of this series, because it wasn't his identity that was really important to the story. I mean, it was important, but not the core of it. It was more his motivations and why he's doing what he's doing that really drove the story forward. And that's what, at least for me, has always made Deus Ex different from anything else like it. Yeah, it has the the cool setting. It has the great gameplay, but it's that espionage and that conspiracy aspect that just keeps you going back for more. See, I was initially disappointed with what was going on with the villain because it felt far too cliche we've Mm -hmm. seen this kind of thing way way too many times but in reading more of it you realize that they knew that so that's why they didn't hold out on it right away they gave it to you boom here it is yes we know it's cliched but we're going to make it work we're going to we're going to build on the characters and you're going to be reading so much more into the characters and the relationships and we're going to be building that's where the, the 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 what's going to make the story worthwhile not this oh my god big reveal no it's going to be the writing that's going to carry it and it could have failed miserably because of those cliches and there are several throughout of course same as the girl partner that he gets it's it's very cliched and the ending as well i i will have to say as much as i enjoyed it very cliched as well but once again they made it work in that they they concentrated on the relationships between the characters hell even him and his pilot <laughs> like i mean they 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 concentrated on those they gave you enough meat in terms of his personality his everything that he's going through all the doubts that he's having and stuff like that so I thought they pulled it off. It could have been done better. It could have been less less cliche. But even as it is, I still enjoyed it immensely. And I already the gears are already turning in my head as to the plot twists they can pull off in the game just based on what they've established here. So really looking forward to it. And I'm really interested in sitting down and reading the comics again, you know, knowing where things are going and seeing, you know, just how well they built it up in the week between now and when the game is actually available. Well, see, what I'm looking forward to is actually reading these again after having played the game because we'll at that point we'll be able to see a lot more of what was going on and what they what information they had to build off of to build it to write this series and whatnot so i'm really looking forward to reading it again in a month or so once i've finished the game and 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 see you know all of the little tie-ins and stuff like that because it, it will be the same character it should be the same 
characteristics that he'll have, mannerisms and everything else. And having read this, I like him. He's a very yeah. likable character. He's cool as all hell. And so I'm really looking forward to, again, what this is going to mean for the series. Or, for, sorry, for the game. Yeah, J.C. Denton was always, you know, a little more detached. Adam, he's more down to earth and he's more relatable. So I, I do like that. Yeah, and I actually like the setting of a lot of the Mexico area because a lot of it is in that area, whether it's Mexico or New Mexico areas. Um, and I like that. You don't see that many comics right now that are taking part in that that area. So I like the little Spanish and, and, and Mexican influences that you saw here and there. I, I thought that was fantastic. And yeah, we'll see if that actually shows up in the game, though. Yeah, well, that's the thing, too. Okay, so moving on from there, the other one that we wanted to talk about is the Batman Beyond series. Because this is now, hopefully, only done for now, but it is done. Issue number eight came out, and that's it now. So, basically, because there's no number nine, right? And the eight was the last one, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Yeah, they, they've said it's coming back, but they yes. haven't officially, you know, announced or solicited an issue nine. Yeah. So and with all of the number ones that were listed, Batman Beyond is not there, which which gives me a sad. But we've discussed <laughs> that and we can move on from there. So the thing with Batman Beyond is that it's a series that, of course, was built off of the TV cartoon series. So a lot of the similarities are there in terms of things that already have happened in the TV series versus stuff that is going on in the um, the comic series. So early on, I felt that the series stood on its own ground very well without having to rely too much on what was going on in the TV series. With issue number three, we had the what I thought to be the absolutely terrible issue where there was very little of Batman himself and it was all the sidekick because they were trying to basically fix the storylines thanks to Batman Incorporated crap that it's just <laughs> started. Morrison. Yeah, so screwing up the timelines there. So I really, really did not like that issue at all and had hoped that from there it would really build up to to something more what happened after that is the main storyline of course is they brought back blight now as with most new series or whatever it's important to define your new villains as well so that they can be icon as iconic as your joker and lex luther and thing like that so with batman beyond it was of course blight and it worked the the character himself prior to being changed is <clears throat> pardon me a very interesting character and someone that you can you can really learn to hate before he even starts with the atrocities thanks to his his transformation and then because of everything that's going on with his son as well um um what's the son's name derek no i'm no, gonna find I, it while i'm talking yeah i'm, I'm drawing a blank it. yeah but the um the thing is, is that the between the son and the the fathers, they are a, a good team because when it's not one giving him a hard time, it's the other. So it it, it kind of worked very well in that regard. The thing is, is that a lot of the things that were happening in the. Um, Sorry, I, I got it here. Uh, Derek is the name of Blight, and his son is Paxton. Paxton. That's what it is. Paxton Powers. I've even got the picture here of them bursting out on the freaking spider, not spider, the, the speeder bike that was in the <laughs> uh, the actual movie version yeah, of the Fat Pod. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I thought that was still around. I yeah. love that. <laughs> yeah, it was just fantastic. But um, but yeah, I, I like the, the villain. The thing is, however, is that a lot of the way that it was handled in this story arc was very similar to things that happened in the cartoon series. And unfortunately, I'm not a fan of that. I know that they have to work within that continuity, but I prefer when they really take chances and write their own new things as well. Yes, you can use the same character and of course the same backstory and all that, but once you've established all that, then write new story arcs with it, figure out new things. And this was basically just Wayne 
regaining his enterprise and removing powers from the name and and blight just wreaking havoc on on batman i'm not even touching on issue number eight yet because that's completely separate you you knew you know just from reading the 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 way that the continuity flowed throughout those last remaining issues that they were planning ahead they knew that they had to wrap up the big storyline and then they still had a little time so let's just shove this issue eight in kind of thing that's at least that's how i felt i don't know about you uh, yeah, there, there's so many subplots going throughout that storyline with Blight, you know, uh, Bruce taking over the company, which I love the scenes, you know, when he's in full, you know, Mr. Wayne mode. <laughs> yeah, I love when he's throwing his corporate weight around. That was cool. The stuff going on with Dana and her brother, uh, Max and the hackers. Like there's so many subplots that they were building up throughout this. But then they did that, nothing with them. They couldn't do anything with them. Well, a whole bunch it, of them. This is something I'm actually going to touch on later with the what we're reading. But you can tell from reading all the various DC comics coming out this month, who was told about Flashpoint in advance <laughs> and who found out with the rest of us. Because you can definitely see a lot of these storylines that they're tying up. You can see the, the frantic pace like, OK, yeah, Green Lantern works out perfectly because, of course, Jeff Johns knew about it. But a lot of the other titles, you can see they didn't quite know about the whole reboot until they'd already had their storylines in place and then they kind of just had to you know tie up as many loose ends as they could and amount of time they could so that that was what was really most disappointing for me was seeing the story building up and being really interested in what's going on and then just having it cut off well the thing with max which again started in issue three was only mildly alluded to later on and then that was it so there was there was nothing there and i personally wasn't crazy about where it was headed either i much preferred when she was you know she wanted to be the the work with him and do different things and and i i liked that i i i was looking forward to that type of character mm-hmm. in the story everything that ish happened in issue three and from then on where they're gonna start getting her to do some some illegal things to get into this organization i was like ah uh, no you're no i'm not into that and then the stuff with dana and her brother was literally out of left field because i don't recall a brother even being mentioned ever in all of the seasons of batman beyond Correct me if I'm wrong. I really couldn't tell you. I don't recall. We watched them not that long ago, and I don't remember it mentioned once. So, okay, here's where you're taking a chance and and doing your own thing. That's Mm -hmm. fine. I can can dig it. Granted, it's kind of like pretty big to just pop out and it's like oh she never talked about it whoa, whoa, whoa hold on we need more of an explanation well, than that there's a reason she never <laughs> yeah. talked about it the dude was a friggin joker <laughs> but again even then it was like okay i can live with it and as a comic kind of surprise thing okay fine i can live with it but nothing was done with it and it just was in there for no reason so there were a lot of things like that that i felt like I don't know. You you really got the impression that, like you just said, they really had huge, huge plans. But then it was like, bloop. Okay, you got one last issue to play with. <laughs> well, we can't touch on all this stuff <laughs> because you can't start a story arc like like something that's going on with Max or Dana, let alone everything else with Bruce and with one issue to go. But. I mean, issue eight was a really good little side story, though. I actually was not as crazy about it because, once again, there simply was too much narrative. Mm-hmm. There was way too much narrative. And I understand that it's because it's a retelling of her story. So for anybody who hasn't read it, it's a retelling of of well not a retelling it's a telling of ink's story ink was a character that we loved in the the tv series loved her a lot and with her it was always more believable when she escaped because Mm -hmm. of her abilities it makes sense you're not going to be able to contain that so i loved that and i loved how she was a very very tricky foe for him to deal with he couldn't He couldn't just fight his way out of it, which is what he typically always does. He had to outthink her. And sometimes he had to outthink her without Bruce. 
helping him. And I always loved that. I really did. And so when they were talking about this and it was going to be her story, I was just thinking, oh, this is absolutely fantastic. This is going to be great. And yet the actual story, though, it is so it's it's an interesting story, but it's so much narrative. That's all it is. Page after page of just reading narrative. And I've never been a fan of that. The story itself was good. But yeah, the way it was told, obviously, there was room for improvement. But again, you just have that it you can tell by reading it that they almost literally threw it together at the last minute. Like they, you could tell that they they had a good grasp of the character, which was cool. But the way the story was told, it could have been done better if it was given, you know, a proper amount of time. Well, it's not just that, but things were thrown in as well that just were. Again, you've got okay. Well, she's gonna die. She's she's falling apart. Molecular molecular structure and whatnot. Oh, here's someone who can actually save her and give her a shot and there you go she's going to be around for a while longer so and then the thing with the daughter getting in into the hospital and she's given her part of herself in the bloodstream and you're like okay i don't it doesn't fit it doesn't work (laughs) i just felt that i i understand that they needed to toss something together okay fine i'm good with that but here's my my thinking if i'm writing Batman Beyond story, uh, Batman Beyond, and I know that okay. Well, we got one issue left, and yes, they're saying that they'll bring us back, but who knows <laughs> yeah. what will happen? Um, let's make this one good, and you can tell already. Yes, that's what they were working towards. But don't you think you would want to do a story about Batman? Wouldn't you want the last <laughs> issue that's going to be appearing in this um, this series potentially for a good long while, if forever, wouldn't you want it to be actually about Batman? I I can definitely see that. Yeah, I, I, I'm so torn on the issue because it. it it could have been really good. Instead, it was kind of good. And I was I was just so upset reading it, knowing that it was the last issue of it I was going to get for a while. Like I actually had to read through it a couple times just so I would stop being angry about the fact that it existed in its current form in the first place. And so like this is one of those comics that that is getting screwed by the relaunch as much great stuff as it's doing for the rest of the line. One of the comics I'm enjoying most out of DC is is really being hurt by it. Oh, yeah. And it is one of my favorites as well. And I, I'm disappointed that they chose not to do anything with it. And yes, it may appear later on, but the fact remains, it's not appearing now. And there is a lot that they could have done to use this. Continuity, schmontinuity. They could have made it work. And yet they chose not to. And that's that's really disappointing. But more so than that, like I said, this final issue should have been McGinnis or McGinnis and Bruce, something along those lines so that we are getting, I don't want to say closure, but something better than this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I can't say much more. <laughs> yeah. OK, so let's move on now to the what we've been reading, actually. I have finished the ultimatum stuff, which I'm sorry. I'm glad it's done. <laughs> I, I actually there still are a couple of titles that I um, that I should read just to properly wrap it up because there's uh, again, there's still some some a few things going on with Hulk and, and Fantastic Four that I probably should read. But to tell you the truth, dude, Ultimate Fantastic Four really not digging anything nah. I see with them. Nah. Anything. Anything. So, yeah. And I also read Punisher number one because it looked freaking awesome. And I thought I got to read it because, again, I don't want to say I'm a fan of Punisher because there's a lot of titles that I actually don't like him in. But I like the character when he's properly written. And when somebody really tackles him and and does a good job, I, I like what they can do with him. So I thought, okay, well, I'll give this a shot. And this is Greg Rucka who wrote this, who's done some fantastic work on other stuff recently. And so I thought, well, maybe this will be good. And what I liked is that there was very little of actually the Punisher in it. It was these other characters now what's funny is that and we kind of discussed this ever so briefly before the show started you got your copy handy 
Yes. So go to page 11. Is that the one that you're already already on there? And panel number one, two, three. Tell me who that is. (laughs) That would be Morgan Freeman. That is definitely Morgan Freeman. Brad Pitt, they can say not not quite as much, but that is Morgan Freeman. And the story between the two as well is seven. And I knew that from the get-go when I was reading it. I'm thinking, yeah, this is definitely seven what's going on here brutal like stuff that we saw in seven equally brutal kind of stuff different kind of story but equally brutal and then you're reading through the the art was inconsistent at time old morgan freeman doesn't always look like morgan freeman and he doesn't always look like himself either but uh it's quite obvious even with the fedora on him and everything that again this is this is seven but that one panel confirms it this guy was watching Seven when he was drawing this. <laughs> but, I mean, staying on the art for a second, that scene in the bar, that was freaking cool. How just the whole story, you know, crafting Frank in that Batman role, you know, the urban legend, you know, the, the ghost of the streets. I loved the way they played it off in that in that bar scene with you know, the, the, the skull being all bled out. Like that end of this issue really won me over onto this run for a while. I think that what's interesting is that it's a good first Punisher issue because there's not a lot of him in there Mm -hmm. because it is that urban myth type of character. And we're in again, hell, the cop is taking credit for what he did. And I think that that is what's going to keep this very interesting. Granted, the thing is, is that you're not going to be wanting to read about other main characters for too long in a Punisher series. You're going to want Frank Castle because it's a Punisher series. So I don't know how long they're going to be able to pull this off for, but for the time being, it certainly was a very entertaining first issue. Yeah, really looking forward to it. As somebody who hasn't read Punisher consistently ever, 2010 was the year of the Punisher. I mean, you had the Punisher, Marvel Universe versus the Punisher miniseries. You had him showing up in Shadowland and... I didn't read it at the time, but I went back and read it after the fact because it had been recommended to me enough times. The Frankencastle run, which was written by Rick Remender and we heart Remender, <laughs> where he had gotten chopped up by Dokken literally into pieces and put back together as a Frankenstein character. I was like, it was so absurd. I was like, oh, whatever. But then when I went back and read the whole story, it was cool as crap. Like it just it took that that over-the-top aspect of the Punisher that he can have at times and just ran with it, and it was really fun. So after, you know, 2010 really made the Punisher interesting to me, I'm digging this. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, you know, kind of getting another ground floor for a new Punisher story. Yeah, I, again, it's going to depend on how long they go with this type of story, but I am also looking forward to to, to reading more. Now, what have you been reading? Uh, I've been picking up a lot of the final issues of the DC stuff. Like we talked about, you know, the Batman Beyond number eight. Uh, The two that I read most recently was, first of all, Secret Six. Uh, Secret Six has been one of my favorite DC comics consistently for the last couple of years. I just I've just really liked it. It has, you know, the villains and it doesn't take that Thunderbolts route of the villains trying to redeem themselves. They're still evil bastards. You know, <laughs> they, they have those occasional flashes of humanity, but it's just been really fun. I mean, Bane is one of the main characters. Imagine Bane going out on a date. <laughs> it's just the, the, it's been a very charming series. And and again, you get that, oh, crap, we only have one issue left you know, feeling. They, they had just kind of wrapped up their story. So they just go out with a bang. They they didn't do the Batman Beyond route. They took all the little subplots that they've been dealing with and threw every single one of them into the last issue. And it's something that really couldn't work outside of Secret Six. But it was just ridiculous, insane battle with the eight of them. Yes, there's eight members of the Secret Six. It, in this huge war, they dope themselves up on Bane's venom serum and fight every single DC hero. <laughs> At one point, Deadshot looks out the window and has got, they've got two Batmans. Since when did that happen? Because <laughs> Dick and Bruce both showed up. Superman. I mean, you name it. They were all. It was just a big fun ending of, well, we're never going to see this cast of characters again. Let's send them out in the most awesome way we can. And it was cool. It, I 
it was a satisfying, I don't want to say it was a satisfying end to the story, but it was a satisfying end to the comic. So I, I really had a lot of fun with that. And I'll I also have to definitely check that out by the sound of it. Yeah, just just read that one issue for the pure insanity aspect of it. I also read uh, Batgirl number 24. I hadn't read the first 23. Um, I'm familiar with the character. You know, I've read some articles about it. It's it was an interesting series. Nothing I ever really got into. But for the final issue, somebody uh, one of the blogs I read actually posted an article about issue 24. And I saw, you know, saw a couple of the panels they put up like, all right, I'll check this one issue out where it was again. okay, tie up some loose ends. And the way the last half of this issue played out is it's Stephanie Brown, the current Batgirl, talking to Barbara Gordon, the former and future Batgirl coming up after the relaunch. And how at like halfway through the issue, she got this uh, hallucinogenic flower dust like blown in her face. And they're just talking about all the different worlds she visited in her you know hallucinogenic state. Just one big panel per page of each universe and there was some really interesting stuff in there like there's one where you have stephanie uh barbara and damien all with lantern rings stephanie is a blue lantern barbara as a green and damien as a red like it's just all the cool little stuff they came up with like you really see the creativity uh, of the writers and the artists here then it they just had fun with their ending and it, it had that kind of it almost the sad thing because they they sort of broke the fourth wall when Barbara and Stephanie were talking about how, oh, you know, this isn't the end. It's just a new beginning. And Stephanie looks straight off the panel at the reader and winks. And he's like, well, you never know what will happen in the future. You know, goofy stuff like that. But you can really tell, again, who DC told about the relaunch ahead of time and who they didn't. And it's it's been interesting so far seeing how they're wrapping up each of their stories leading up to the relaunch. Yeah, there are a few others that I definitely want to be reading just to see how they, they wrap it up, especially the stuff that's going on with the Green Lantern as well, um, just to kind of be seeing how it's going to flow then into September. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, of course, let's look at the new releases for the month or for the week, I should say. With Marvel, we've got, of course, a whole bunch of fear stuff. So we've got Avengers number 16, fear. Avengers Academy number 18, fear tie-in. We've got Captain America number two. We've got Daredevil number two. And then we've got fear itself, fear itself, Deadpool number three of three. We've got fear itself, fearsome four number three of four. Fear itself, Homefront number five of seven. We've got Journey into Mystery 626, which is a fear tie-in we've got marvel universe versus wolverine number three. Oh, oh it makes me happy just to say it i can't wait to get my hands on this and then we got spider island amazing spider girl number one of three we've got thunderbolts num- thunderbolts number 162 which is a fear tie-in as well ultimate comics fallout number six wrapping up and that is the death of spider-man story arc we've got venom number six which is a spider-man uh, spider island tie-in generation hope number 10 which is a schism tie-in uncanny <laughs> Any X-Men number 542 of Fear tie-in, and then X-Men Schism number 3 of 5. The core Fear Itself tie-ins have been worthless, but a lot of the the running series tie-ins I've really been enjoying. Uh, X-Men, Thunderbolts, Journey into Mystery, Avengers Academy... I, despite the fear itself tie-ins, I've been enjoying those. I'm actually going to worry about those later. I've got too many things to read right now. Once this has been wrapped up, then I'll look at which ones I actually want to go through. Um, some of them I'll give another shot. Granted, again, what I'd read, I certainly wasn't digging, but I'm willing to give things a second shot. Avengers Academy. Not going to happen. So looking on the DC side, we've got Batman number 713. We've got then the Flashpoint endings to Abin Sur, Legion of Doom, The Outsider, and Wonder Woman and the Furies. Then from there we've got the rest. We've got a new series, Damage number one of six. We've got Samurai's Blood number three of six, which I'm really looking forward to that. If you are looking forward to the Star Wars The Old Republic game, which I believe you've been playing, have you not? I have been playing. And how have you been liking it? I have been playing. Fair enough. So we've got, this one is Knight Errant, Deluge, number one of five. And then, of course, we've got Walking Dead, number 88. Um, The joke is over now. Seriously, something has to happen because (laughs) it's just been too long. It's gotten to the point where it's now... 
I don't know if you feel the same way, but I am really like, I'm at a point where I really am. Okay. Do something because I'm actually starting to get bored with that story arc. And I mean, you shouldn't get bored when Carl gets shot in the eye and loses part of his head. That shouldn't be boring. But at this point, it kind of is. As someone who has read The Walking Dead over the course of the past several years instead of in a huge chunk like you did, I've become accustomed to the pace of the series, the ebb and the flow. And this is just, you know, one of those. I disagree. I'm I'm used to ebb and flow as well. I was ebbing and flowing all over the place. But this is shot three issues ago. It's not like it's been a, you know, a year. It's just this is the pace of the story. And I'm just going along with it, knowing that in the very near future, all hell is going to break loose because that's the way Kirkman operates. Hold on. Was it issue number 85 or 83 where he got shot? I thought it was 85. Hmm. Damn it, I'm going to have to find it now. Okay, I'm going to edit all this empty sound. No, it was 83. Oh, okay. So. 83, dude. This is 85. We're like closing in on a month and a half. A little boy blue sitting in bed with his face bandaged up. (laughs) Somebody poke him with a stick and get him moving. Of course, (laughs) the 88 issues, only like six months has passed. So (laughs) I don't care. Do something. Okay. Anyways, we're going to wrap it up. And of course, if you want to find the show notes, you can find them at Comic Book Informer. And we are on Twitter at CB Informer. And you can reach either Vince or myself at Roger at ComicBookInformer.com or Vince at ComicBookInformer.com. And of course, we're on G Plus as well. That's all on our profiles on the site. And with that, we're going to wrap it up and we'll talk to you guys next week. I would have bought it. It's just that, ah, good. We got it out of the way before we actually started. Awesome. (laughs) Why can't you own a digital clock like the rest of the world? This is what I need to know. (laughs) Everyone else, digital clock is good enough. You, not so much. It's just there. I don't ask questions. What, it came with the apartment? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no sense taking that clock down. We may need to know what time it is someday. (laughs) You can always buy a new clock. (laughs) Oh, oh, dude. It's like Firefly meets Pixar. Okay, which, in my opinion, is full of wind any way you slice it. And the bunny. Funny girl. <laughs> yep. You know, you know there was some Japanese influence or Korean influence there. Someone at NDC Soft higher up says, oh, you can do your game. Sure, American influences for animation. Sure, sure. Just make sure there's a bunny girl. <laughs> That's the only require. You want our money? Bunny girl. <laughs> with a long furry tail did you ever watch firefly did i ever of course don't talk to me like that some people haven't but you would you would fire me i, I, I probably would I yeah, yeah there, there'd be some serious problems i mean seriously this is like the the the, the dude who was on the oh you didn't see the, the thing the other dude is is cap this dude here that's captain mal and then the big guy that's jane <laughs> and that's Kaylee. Look at that's that's Kaylee. Even how she walks around and talks when she's out in the world. It's like, oh my god, that's seriously, it's Firefly, which is awesome. <laughs> it's a Pixar version of Firefly. I want it now. I don't care if it's NC Soft. I'm gonna be playing the crap out of that game. <laughs> I was reading something last night, and I swear to God, it's freaking seven. I'm trying to remember what the hell it I read a whole crop load yesterday. Oh, it was Punisher number one, I think. Have you read Punisher number one? I loved Punisher number one. Okay, hold on a second. I want to... Do you have it handy? If you give me a second. Yes, it's definitely Punisher number one. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk okay, about it on Punisher the number one. Okay, hold on. We'll, actually, we'll do it <laughs> during the what you've been reading. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just because... It's too funny. Okay. 
Sorry, no. <laughs> I see what you're talking about. You're right. <laughs> I shouldn't have said anything. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. Ruined it. All right. Jeez. Could have started early. Still can. But we need to wait for the audience to show up. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, not even Tart shows up. <laughs> you put it at her name so that she doesn't miss it. Just to make her feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> One fan. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> uh, I love Twitter. <laughs> What the hell does that mean? It's so <laughs> Not exactly what I mean. I have no idea what you mean. I do, because I edit. <laughs> I hear your voice all the time. <laughs> you and Joe, I got all your mannerisms locked in. I know it. I'm just saying. I, that wasn't an attack on your personality or anything like that. I was just saying, start adding some in. I, I don't have the luxury of being in front of a computer throughout the I day. Did, was that an attack? We're pretty defensive there. Just saying. Don't be a slap. Hey, at least my f***ings worked. Dude, not a single one of his did. It was like, Joe... Like, what the f*** is this? <laughs> the only way I was able to prepare for the show was to go into oh, the HTML and extract the links that weren't working. <laughs> and then paste them into my browser instead of clicking the button. Hello. Calm down, tough guy. I was looking at those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you were looking. Okay. <laughs> well, it scrolls a lot slower, so it hadn't gotten to you yet. <laughs> it's long enough to notice. <laughs> well, duh. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> welcome. To, damn it! I was gonna say for the Lord. I I knew you were. You had that. Your tone was moving in that direction. My tone. Yeah. I have a different tone per podcast. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> That's my tone for this one. <laughs> Angry and bitter at you. <laughs> Shut up, you're a stupid. What do you know? <laughs> Normally reserved only for Joe, but on special occasions you get it too. All right. Just missed me. <laughs> you really think so, eh? <laughs> Ink is a character that we loved in the series. Hold on. Oh, that was a good one. Um, I'll edit that out. <laughs> it's 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 the beer. Um, 